Kel? Yay. Do you know what time it is? What time is it? It's lunchtime with Ace and Co. Oh my goodness. Welcome back, everybody. We are Ace and Co. Co, how are you? I'm really good today. How are you, honey? I'm good. Awesome. Um, question for you. Mm-hmm. What are you having for lunch? I am really excited about lunch today. Usually I'm really boring with my lunch. but today, As we learned. <laughs> yes, as now everybody is aware. But today I have leftovers from Payway. So I've got a teriyaki chicken bowl sitting in my fridge, and I'm very excited about it. Does that, like, eat well as a leftover? <laughs> it does. It heats up really good. And what I do, I, I fancy it up a little bit for leftovers. But I just do a little bit of coconut oil and then sear it in a pan so it's it's not, like, microwaved, and it's really good. That's a lot of fucking work for some leftovers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. What are you eating for lunch today? I don't even want to tell you. Mm. You're going to judge me. Have I ever judged you for anything? Hey, we we mowed McDonald's after our first workshop together. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. Mowed it. Like, it was the last meal we would ever eat. <laughs> I... I'm having bagel bites. <gasps> I love bagel bites. I have been eating bagel bites. I remember like since I was eight years old, mm. I've been eating them for 20 years, like <laughs> all the time. Like I just, I've never gotten sick of them. And I will tell anyone who eats bagel bites, like don't heat them up in that stupid tray that they give you. Like mm-hmm. put it on a plate, make it fancy, make it nice. Right. Oh, I just, I love a bagel bite. Oh my gosh, you have had a longer relationship with bagel bites than anything else. Oh, for sure. Yeah, no, like Caitlin's been in my life, what, 15 years? It's like, get out of here, bitch. I got bagel bites at 20. <laughs> it's amazing. I also love them, so I'm with you on that. But you have to get the ones at Costco that come with the sausage and the pepperoni. You can't mm-hmm. just get like the ones from the regular store that are just cheese or just cheese and pepperoni because that's disgusting. <laughs> Yeah, that's ridiculous. Why would anyone do that? Come on. Get your shit together. <laughs> oh, man. It is everybody's favorite time of the week. The golden turd and your in the shitter moment. Co, mm-hmm. what's your in the shitter moment? <sighs> okay. So my in the shitter moment this week was a ridiculous fight that I had <laughs> with my Scott about the most ridiculous stuff so we were at my daughter's hockey practice and my daughter is obsessed with hockey and for those of you who don't know who Hillary Knight is she's a very famous female hockey player and surprisingly a lot of people don't know who she is because that's just how organized sports in our world are so I mentioned that it seems really off that only male sports gross what they do and female sports are struggling. Like in a documentary I watched, you know, Hillary Knight was talking about how most of her peers have to work other jobs like coaching, uh, waitressing, stuff like that, even though they're a professional player. And he got so mad about that. It was so fascinating. He was so, and I, he's a very progressive man. I feel like, you know, in the modern society, but there's this like tidbit of archaic way of thinking and, and, this underlying sexism that is like, I, I know it's prevalent in a lot of people and myself included. I never even considered why only male sports, you know, are, are the ones we all go see, you know, the NFL and you go to a baseball game. You don't even think about going to a softball game. You know what I mean? 
And no, that's true. They make so much money. And I questioned it. I didn't say I had an answer. All I said was, is it a perception thing? Is it a cultural perception and something that we could shift and that everybody could live at the top and, and make that kind of money? Or is it truly like the skill level or the endurance or whatever it might be with these elite athletes? And he was so pissed. <laughs> he was so mad at me. And we had this huge fight about it. And then after it was over, it was like, did we really just fight about that? It was ridiculous. So that was my low point or in the shutter at my you, that's a, That is a pretty deep fight that you guys had. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of layers on that onion, babe. <laughs> oh, my Lord. Because, I mean, um, I am obviously, for those of you that follow along on my journey, I'm obviously, you know, a, a female – advocate, women's right advocate, but also female advocate in like living with intention and knowing who you are and loving who you are and yada, yada. And I'm, you know, I, I feel like everybody should be a feminist and some people use that word you know, loosely and some people use that word as a discriminatory factor. But I think everyone who has a mother, daughter, sister should be a feminist, but I am a feminist. And so that's something that's like a label that he struggles with. Because he feels like feminist goes hand in hand with abrasive or argumentative or overly opinionated. And I can be all of those things, I'm sure. But it's just interesting to see how it plays out in, like, our relationship, you know? Well, and I think, too, like, I mean, there's I, there's so much history with you and Scott that mm -hmm. it's, like, I feel like a, a fight like this is, like, it's going to happen for sure. And it's, like, you know you come from two very different places and you're mm -hmm. never going to see completely eye to eye. So I think that's probably a nice little healthy fight for you guys. Healthy fight. Keeping it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So now my golden turd of the week, I got asked by um, a really well-known artist uh, to photograph her and do a breastfeeding session. And uh, she's not only a beautiful artist, but a really beautiful human. And so I am going to go out in November uh, to Joshua Tree and do a breastfeeding uh, session with her and her baby. So I'm really, really excited about that. That is so – okay, like this is what I love about me and you is like we're just so different. and <laughs> Right. Uh, and like that's something like I would – never do but i know that you're gonna do it i know that you're gonna kill it and it's gonna mm -hmm. be so beautiful in a way that like i could never i'd be like uh your tits out and she's like that's the point and i'd be like oh okay <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> oh man i do love it i do love how we compliment each other <laughs> i like it too yeah so my in the shitter moment this week is we have been listing our house to sell it and the amount of energy that, and mind you, like we don't have kids and mm -hmm. it's only been listed for like just a few days. Literally like the amount of energy that goes into getting your house so that it looks like nobody lives there, but that yeah. it's warm and inviting enough that someone else can imagine that they live there. <laughs> it is so stressful. It's like, you get that text and it's like, can someone come today at two? And you're like, yeah, no problem. And then you like start running around and he's like, then the realtor texts. He's like, actually also at one, you're like, oh shit. And then it's like, wait, another one at 12. And you're like, God damn it. <laughs> it is stressful. Oh my gosh. It's, it's very, very stressful. There's <laughs> nothing wrong with that. Kids or no kids, man. Selling your house. It's a lot of work for sure. Yeah. And then my golden turd of the week, you're going to make fun of, but we, so Humphrey likes to put on a show. Humphrey's our dog, for anyone who doesn't know. 
we don't have kids, but we have a dog and we treat him like a child. And he, um, he, every time we bring him to the groomer, it's like a theatrical performance of acting like they're going to kidnap him or murder him or something. (laughs) And every time they bring him back, they like pull his leash and he like, they like basically drag him back and it is so sad. And I just like, I usually cry. Um, (laughs) so today the sweet girl like came to the front. It was a different groomer and he almost, someone walked in the door and he tried to go out. So I picked him up and then she took him from me and carried him back. And I called Caitlin from the car and I was crying because I was like, it was just so sweet. Like she just, she got it. And you know, she loved him. She was really taking care of him. Oh my God. I love that. So that was my golden turn of the week. He's not a small dog. He's a big dog. No, but he needs to be carried. Oh, he needs to be carried back. Poor thing. The trauma of the groomer. Oh, I love Humphrey. Humphrey is not a dog, though. He is a human being. Like, that is how – it's just his personality. He's so – he's, like, the best dog I've ever met. All the time. They don't listen to me. It's crazy. (laughs) All right. So let's talk about some of our flashback favorites. Mm -hmm. You know, those things from the past that we used to think were so amazing, and now we have learned better, and we are doing better. Mm -hmm. So – my flashback favorite this week is outdoor newborn sessions in December. Um, the very first newborn I ever did was he was like three weeks old. So, you know, now I do newborns between like five and 10 days, mm-hmm. uh, three weeks old. And we like, we're trying to like kind of sit him up a little bit in a, like a big chair. Last week I talked about props. I brought this big <laughs> chair, tried to kind of sit him up <laughs> against it. Um, put a big hat on him, like <laughs> tried to get him to like lay on the chair and hold himself up. And it was probably like 40 degrees outside. Like, oh I was just God. like, what is wrong? Like, this is not what it looks like in other people's pictures. Like, <laughs> the babies are a lot better for them. <laughs> that is horrific. It was. Oh. And I mean, I, I think back to that time, I'm like, we were literally probably like 19 and 20. Like we did not know what newborns did. No doubt, sitting up in a chair three weeks with a hat on, that is <laughs> the best thing I've ever heard. <laughs> oh. oh my gosh. Okay, so my flashback favorite, because I was obsessed with these, and uh, and I would go on Etsy and buy them all the time, are banners. I was obsessed with banners that said all sorts of things, or they didn't say anything at all. And I would have my family's hold these banners because that was just rad. I would just be like, hold this banner. If it was Christmas time, we'd do a Jingle Bell one or, uh, you know, <laughs> Mary All the Way or Family or whatever. I loved banners. And I bought a shitload of banners on Etsy. And, uh, yeah, so I, I still have them. <laughs> I still have them. I have a basket full of banners. You know, you know what I'm talking about? Like the ones with cutout, like the triangles. Yes, I know exactly what you're talking. That is so funny that that was like your go-to thing. I've never, I never got into banners. I feel like I was too cheap. Oh my gosh. I was obsessed with them. Like it was an investment for me. I was like, I am going to, I just got paid. I'm going to buy another banner. This is going to be amazing. (laughs) It was like your crack. (laughs) Like snorting banners. Yep. If I want people to take me serious, I, my business need more, needs more banners. I need more banners. Like, this is an investment. I have to do it. (laughs) Oh, my God. That's hilarious. Oh, the best. 
Oh, all right, guys. So we are going to take a quick break and we will be right back answering all of your wonderful questions. Yes. In case you somehow missed it, I'm a photographer. And if you're listening to this podcast, I think it's a pretty safe bet to say you are too. I want to tell you about an online community that changed my life and my business. Unraveled Academy is an online photography school that is changing the way photographers learn. It's a community where snobby photographers are not allowed, where you can ask questions without fear of judgment, and new content and courses are uploaded all the time. Not to toot my own horn, but you know I will. A few of my own badass courses are on there as well. But the real cherry on top is that Unraveled Academy is treating our listeners to something really special. One free month at the Academy. Head over to www.unraveledacademy.com and sign up using the code LUNCHTIME for one free month to see what this community is all about. I promise you, you will not be disappointed. One more time, for everyone who wasn't listening the first time I said it, use the code LUNCHTIME, all one word, for one free month at Unraveled Academy. I will see all of your sexy faces there. Okay, we are back, and we are now doing Ask Ace and Co., where you guys send us in your questions, and we answer them. In case you didn't know, you can send your questions to lunchtimeaceandco at gmail.com, or you can send them directly to us on Instagram or Facebook or Smoke Signal. We really don't give a shit. We just want your <laughs> questions and we want to answer them. That's exactly right. And for those of you that haven't listened in before, um, we really urge you to ask the questions that you're scared to ask in a public forum. Like that is why we even created this as an option is we know that there's questions out there that you might feel will make you look silly in front of your peers um, that you're not going to ask. And I promise you, if you're thinking it, other people are too. So send us your dark and dirty questions. We want to hear it. We want to get dark, dark and dirty. Oh, all the time. <laughs> so our first question is, what is your rule for buying equipment to get your business going when you aren't booking that many sessions to pay for it? Mm. And this question, like, and Co knows me, like, I'm obsessed with Dave Ramsey. I love <laughs> Dave Ramsey. If I could marry Dave Ramsey, I would. It's a fact. If I could just give him a hand job under the table, I would. Like, <laughs> I think your life would be fulfilled if you could give Dave Ramsey a handy under the table. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> and and so, I mean, this question hits home for me because it's like, it is it is hard. You don't want to go into debt when you're starting a brand new business, but yeah. you're also like, and the, I mean, the good thing about photography is there's not a ton of overhead. You mm -hmm. know, mm -hmm. when you're first starting out, obviously you need a camera, obviously you need a lens, and obviously mm -hmm. you need some sort of editing software, whether that's Lightroom or Photoshop or whatever you're doing. Right. Um, but I would tell you that like, number one, and this is something I've started telling people is don't go for um, like the, a brand new intro camera. Mm -hmm. Instead, what I tell people is go find a used full body mm -hmm. camera that you like, you know, people love that camera, but you might have a couple versions back. So I always tell people, if you're just starting out, um, try and find a, a Canon 5D Mark II. Mm -hmm. That camera is amazing. It's going to kill it every single time you use it. And especially if you're newer to photography, there's going to be so much there that you're not even going to know how to utilize all of it. Right. Um, where a lot of people, you know, they'll tend to buy like a brand new Canon Rebel and it's like, it's so limited. It's a crop sensor. You can't get everything out of it that you can get with a full frame. Right. So 
I would tell people do something like that. Um, and then also I always tell people don't, don't go out and get prime lenses. Don't, or don't go out and get like the most expensive lenses possible. Right. Every manufacturer makes a cheap version of every mm -hmm. lens. Mm -hmm. And those lenses are badass. They are, they're completely how I ran my business for the first like three to four years is yep. using those cheaper lenses. And I always tell people, you're not allowed to upgrade your stuff until you know why you need to upgrade. Like yep. until you know why you're being limited by what you have, you're not allowed to upgrade. You Absolutely. gotta stick with that cheap shit. But get a good setup. Don't get something, you know, and you might have to go in a little bit of debt for it, but not mm -hmm. near as much as getting a brand new full frame, brand new, nicest lens out there. Right. And and you really don't need more than one body and one lens while you're starting. And and oh, I agree. Wow. Buy used. I've gotten a lot of used stuff on Amazon. Um, they seem to vet their equipment, their used equipment that comes back in really well. I've sold a lot of stuff to them. Um get a good used body, a full frame body. And honestly, I love like the third party, like the outside of the Canon and, and uh, Nikon lenses, Sigma and Tamron both make excellent, excellent lenses. And you can get a used version of that, even go cheaper, a used version of either of those. Like the Tamron 50 millimeter is, a, is an excellent lens. The 35 is excellent. I've shot with both of them. Um, you can get a used one for just, very, very cheap in comparison to going on buying brand new everything, Canon or Nikon. I agree with the Mark II. I had the Mark II for a long time. I loved my Mark II. It's an excellent camera. Pair that with a Tamron or a Sigma and you're golden and you don't need more than one body and one lens. And then you can go out and shoot a bunch of sessions, pay that off if you put it on a credit card or something. Do like the no interest for a year, although pay it off as quick as you can. The goal is to try to pay stuff off before interest accrues. So if you have no interest for one year, you have a little bit of wiggle room and you know, you get your one set up, you go shoot four or five sessions, pay your taxes, put money aside and then pay off your debt. Boom, done. And done. I agree. You don't, you don't need to go buy top of the line stuff, especially when you're learning because it doesn't matter. I have seen people with top of the line equipment and their pictures are not that good. It really doesn't matter when you're first starting out. So um, I agree with that wholeheartedly. All right. Question number two. I want to leave my full-time job and focus solely on photography, but I am scared as shit. <laughs> How do I make the leap? Oh gosh. So <clears throat> there's a couple different ways to do this. Um, and I have done a version of all of those. Um, but I will tell you that this question is not uh, global. The answer to this question is not global. It's not the same for everybody. Um, for example, I um, am a mother and had a full-time job as a nurse. And for me, I always brought in over 50% of the income for our family. And then I was a single mom for, uh, for about a year. So to dive into something holy it was scary. And, and also, um, in an essence, I had to be really responsible. Um, so there's a couple ways to do it. You can dive right in. You can quit your job and say, F that, and you can devote all your time and attention to photography. This will do a couple of things. One, it will open up a lot of doors. It really will. If you're telling the universe what you want to do um, and you're devoting your time and attention to it, doors will open and you'll get a good response to that. 
The other side of that is, and if you guys have ever read Elizabeth Gilbert's book, Big Magic, the other side of this is if you put the stress and the pressure on a new uh, enterprise to pay all of your bills and support your family, then the pressure and the stress of that might take away from the creative aspect, which is true. If I am stressed that I might not be able to put food on the table for my children with my creative endeavor, it's going to take away from the creative, you know, uh, the love and, and which in turn makes my business better. So there's a bunch of ways to do it. What I truly recommend if you're like me at all, if you're uh, a parent and you're trying to transition out of your full-time job uh, that pays your bills, but you just don't want to do it anymore. And I've been there, trust me. I think that there is a nice way to evenly redistribute the workload and then eventually quit, which is what I did. So I went part-time at my real job, quote unquote, right? And then I would take more clients. And then I went PRN, which is just as needed in my nursing job. And I took more clients. And then I built, you know, Colleen Hodges photography. And then I built other things. And then eventually I was able to walk away completely. And I did so with a lot less stress, even though it, it, it is stressful to own your own business, period. Um, that's how I did it. Um, and again, there's a multitude of ways to do this. Um, once you quit, it is a huge relief. It is amazing. It's the best feeling in the world. I've done it twice now. <laughs> um, it's okay for it to be scary. The fear just means that it's real. What do you think, Ace? I think 100%. I think that, you know, when you're, when you're in a position where you're wanting to leave, I always tell people, like, you got to put in some you got to put in time doing double duty and mm -hmm. it's not fun and it's not. And those are the moments that like, once you get through it, you look back and you're like, holy shit, I don't know how I used to do two of these things at one mm -hmm. time, but I did it and I'm good and I made it through it. Um, I'm super lucky in the fact that when I started my business, I was in college and I was living at home mm -hmm. and I had a part-time job and it wasn't impossible for me to just quit that job entirely. I didn't really have that many responsibilities. I mean, I was paying for school and for a car, but that was about it. And so I have a hard time telling people, you know, just jump right in and do it. But I also didn't do that. I did both things for a long time until it got to a point where I was like, I don't have any time left in my day. I got to drop something and I dropped the one that I hated and stuck with the one I loved. And now I'm here and I, I love my job and I love my business and it never feels like work to me. Mm -hmm. um, and that's the other thing. And I, I hope everyone thinks about that when they're thinking about going full time is like, make sure you love it. Make sure that you're really invested in it because it is a bitch and it is a lot of your time and it's, yeah. you know, it, it can fucking suck sometimes, <laughs> but it's, it's worth it if you love it because right. it's your business. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Oh, I've never, I've never worked harder and love something more. So if no. you feel like that, then you're on the right path. For sure. That's when you know you're doing it right. Yep. Um, okay. So question three is, I am not meaning to brag, but I'm a pretty damn good photographer. I suck at business. <laughs> I periodically get clients booking, but I see other photographers in my area slammed with work. And I don't mean to be a bitch, but they suck. <laughs> Help. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So here's the thing is, and this is, this is kind of the shitty part about being in a business that is, you know, art driven, creatively driven is mm -hmm. we want to be the best at what we're doing. Right. But if we don't have that business sense to kind of back us up and to really, you know, 
you know, it's like you don't want to be a starving artist. You want to be able to be paid for something that you're really good at. And I think that I would tell you that you got to step it up, you know, Mm -hmm. you got to. And I would be curious to know, too, like, you know, what is your pricing look like? Mm -hmm. Is are you comparable? Um, Because and that's another thing is I'm not saying you have to go out there and you have to be like, oh, this is what everyone in my area is charging. So this is what I need to be doing. But you do have to kind of be somewhat comparable. Like you might be, I'm sure you are a really great photographer, but if you're like leaps and bounds above everyone else price wise, that's going to narrow the amount of business that you can get. And, you know, and it's all at the end of the day, it's about, you know, how much food or how much money do you need to put food on the table? And if this isn't something that you have to be working at all the time, then you can have those higher prices. Um, for us, my wife and I, right now, we're at a point where we want to be working a lot. So we do charge a little bit lower of a price than I feel like we could be, mm-hmm. um, because it just ensures that we are always working, you know? Right. Right. So sometimes you got to put your ego a little bit aside, but you also have to kind of, you have to be good at selling yourself. Right. Well, I, I agree. I think that if you suck at business, it, let's let's take a business class. Let's take a business course. Let's dig into what you think you suck at. Let's make a checklist and let's start there because if your work is good, then you just need to pair the business side with it. And, and it takes time. And most photographers that I have mentored, and I'm sure Ace is in the same boat, say this, that they're like, oh, I'm good creatively and I feel strong. My portfolio is good, blah, blah, blah. But I'm horrible at business. And I was there too. I was there. You know, just the concept of taxes, of knowing how much to set aside for taxes and how to pay quarterly if you do that and and to hire an accountant and where do I hire an accountant? And all of this can be very daunting to the point where people just don't do it at all. And then you're at the end of the year not knowing your true numbers, potentially having to pay out the ass in taxes and not knowing what your write-offs are. And then you're not marketing appropriately to, you know, your, your primary clients in your area. It, it just starts small, like take a business class, like for photography. And, uh, and I promise you just opening that door of that journey and that side, you'll, you'll start to really connect with it. You'll, the more intelligent you get with these concepts, you'll get a little bit more obsessed with it. And then you'll be able to integrate all that into your business practice and you'll be happier overall. 100%. I think that you're going to, you know, it's, if you put all of your energy into just becoming a great photographer, then you will be a good photographer, but you're not going to be able to get to share it with anybody. You have to work on both things simultaneously because there are tons of people I meet and they're really, really bad photographers and, but they're amazing business people and they make twice as much money as I do. And I'm just like, God damn it. And you wonder why. Yep. They're good at business and they know what they're doing and, you know, they'll put sponsored ads on Instagram for mm-hmm. free courses and all this different stuff. And I'm just like, are you kidding me? Like, you're not even great, <laughs> but, but who cares? Cause at the end of the day, you're making twice as much money as I am yeah. and I'm having to go to five times as many shoots. So great. So there's, it's, there's a balance to be had and it's, it's all knowledge based. So let's just educate ourselves. You know, that's, that's the next step. Well, that's a great question, man. That's a good one. 
Question number four. I have spent a lot of time and energy making my Instagram cohesive and making sure it flows. How important is this to my business? I feel drained. Okay. Well, I'm wondering truly why at this point, if you have a cohesive body of work and a style that you're drawn to and edit consistently with, um, why you're so drained? Is it the daily posting? Is it the stressing about the daily posting? Um, there's so many reasons why this could be a draining thing. Is it your captions? Cause a lot of people do get hung up on captions and sitting there forever trying to figure out what to say. And I'll tell you based off this question is actually a great question because, uh, Ace and I do challenge time after our questions are over and both are related to this. So I think this is going to be really helpful for you. Um, how important is it for your business to have a cohesive Instagram? I think very, I think very, especially if you are trying to book people off of your Instagram, if you're not trying to book people off of your Instagram, essentially you can do whatever you want. If you're just trying to engage with other people and have fun, no problem. I do both things. I engage with other people. I have fun and I book people off my Instagram. So how important is that to my business? Having something that is recognizable, having an editing style um, that's not constantly changing, uh, posting more consistently, and I could be better at that right now. I'm more consistent in my other entities than my own, but I'm also not trying to book clients right now because I'm booked out for the year. It's very, it is very important. Ace has some really, really great insight on Instagram flows and cohesion and, and the importance behind it, especially in regards to stories and posts. Um, it can be a lot of work, but I feel if you get into a rhythm, then it won't be as draining for you. And we'll talk about that here in a minute. But Ace, what do you think? I think the real thing to the real answer is in when you said it's about getting in the rhythm of it. And it's like, mm -hmm. don't get so stuck on i think the reason that she's probably feeling this way is because she's saying like i want my instagram to be cohesive it's like let's just make your brand cohesive your you brand. know what i mean like right. make sure your style is cohesive but like i've seen people have you ever seen those accounts where like all three pictures tie together into like like there's a little bit of overlap and then it connects to the next picture yes and you're just like, holy yes. fucking shit like, like no one gives a rat's ass how about much that. work that is i have no idea like it's just so, so much work. Much fucking work. And so I mean, if you're doing shit like that, yeah, it's gonna get old really, really fast. But yeah. if you're just sitting down and saying, you know, when I do my work, when I go to a session, I want to make sure that my style is the best that it can be. Like I want mm. to, you know, and making your style cohesive, then when you get to your Instagram, it's not like you're because I you know what? I know people who do this. They will edit a session a certain way and then they will edit the pictures that they post like um for social media, like in a different way, Why? just so that it flows together. Oh my God. So that when you go to their page, you're like, oh, like, oh shit. Like that looks so good next to each other. And oh. it's like, we'll just work on making every shoot look good next to each other. Absolutely. And then you can just take your favorites from that shoot and post them. Oh, that sounds like an insane amount of work and a nightmare. No, I would never do that. I literally in Lightroom, I flag the ones that I know I want to post to social media during my editing process and that and they are not edited differently i pick my favorites for sure and that's important mm -hmm. don't go posting anything and everything and you do not have to post from every session you only post the stuff that you want to replicate and that you actually love if you don't like a cake smash don't post a cake smash you know only yeah. post stuff that you want to post um 
but yeah and i would say too like some people i've also seen people go through like color phases of like they want all of a certain color like all near each other so they'll like purposely go out and create content that has like a purple in it because right now they have a big purple or pink phase or whatever the fuck it is it doesn't even matter and like if you're doing stuff like that yeah that's gonna be a nightmare and it's gonna be draining but if you are just simply creating and working on your brand and making sure that every time you go to a session that that brand is strong and your style is coming through you're gonna be fine it's not gonna be hard i agree All all right question number five a few months back i had a college girl intern with me for school credit she came to my sessions where she was allowed to shoot but now her entire business is built on pictures from my sessions and she tags my clients in her photos and I feel like she's stepping all over my toes. How do I address it? Mm. So here's the thing. What's that? You know that saying that's like you can't put toothpaste back in the tube after it's already come out? <laughs> yes. I mean, I think about that with wine, but sure, toothpaste. <laughs> <laughs> well, I if you think about it, it's like this needs to, number one, be a learning lesson for you. Yeah. Um, And what you need to be doing is remember the situation and next Mm -hmm. time, anytime you are faced with a similar experience to this, be prepared for it and, you know, say up front, like, you know, these are things like, obviously if she's interning with you, she's going to want to shoot at her, your sessions and she's going to want to edit those sessions and stuff. And, you know, I would say, you know what, I want you to shoot and I want you to learn to edit and I want you to learn stuff from me, but you don't have rights to post these. Right. And that's not something I care about. Like if someone comes to my shoot and they shoot alongside me, I don't give a shit, but I can understand your frustration in the fact that you feel like their entire business is built off of your work. And Mm -hmm. then tagging the clients does seem really annoying because then it seems like trying to get referrals and stuff like that. But I wish I had a better answer for you, but I would just say learn for next time. Always remember this, keep it in the back of your mind and, you know, try to always approach any sort of problems that you think could arise at the very beginning. And it makes it a lot easier later on, you know, because it's, it's so much easier to be like, yeah, so when, you know, when this, if this situation comes up, here's how I'd like you to handle it is Mm -hmm. don't be posting all of my stuff and, you know, make sure you're doing your own sessions and creating your own client connections and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. Opposed to after the person's already done it being like, listen up, bitch, I don't want you (laughs) fucking stealing my shit. (laughs) Right. Well, so I have two pieces of advice here. Um, one is if she's new, which she is, she probably doesn't know normal social decency when it comes to photography etiquette. And this is a learning opportunity for her. And I do feel like it's okay to take her aside and very politely and more as a mentor, because that's what you've been to her in some essence, to say, look, you did it to me and we're cool. Not really, but you could say that. And then to say, we're cool, but you cannot do this to other people. It would be like second shooting a wedding and taking your second shooting pictures and posting them on your own Instagram and saying you shot this wedding. First of all, it's false marketing. Second of all, it's bad etiquette. And not everybody knows proper photographer etiquette, especially when they're brand new. I've had several situations where I'm like, they just didn't know. They just didn't know. They didn't know to ask me if it was okay to shoot the people that I shoot all the time. They didn't know it wasn't okay to like offer a free session to my current 
clients, something like that, you know, some, and, and I know this sounds really crunchy, but this is like the empathetic side of, of being in a more elite role where you are a mentor to somebody and, and really coming down to the, their level and being understanding and saying like, really, they just didn't understand. They didn't know. Now, if you tell her and she still does it, then we got a problem, yo. But I think this is a, a chance to teach. Um, and, and I also think it's okay that you're upset about it because that's frustrating when you put in the work and the time and the effort and she's kind of piggybacking off of that. And also I'm wondering why she's interning for you in the first place. If you get an assistant for a photography business and they're a photographer, what they want to get out of it is photography related. I highly recommend that if you want to get an assistant for your photography business, it is somebody who has no interest in building their own business whatsoever. Um, I think that that is key in removing any stress in relation to issues like this. So that would be my advice there. I think I would say go with Ko's advice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. I oh. love you. <laughs> okay challenge time all right ace you go first honey okay so my challenge for everyone this week is i want you guys to sit down and figure out your posting schedule for social media mm -hmm. so um people always ask me they're like well how often do i need to post well that answer depends on where you're at in your business you know mm -hmm. if you're doing one session a month it's like well shit i'm gonna have some slim pickings on what i'm gonna post right. you know i wouldn't commit to a seven day a week posting right. um for me my posting schedule is i try to post five days a week monday through friday um that's actually on my actual feed mm -hmm. stories i don't give a shit about i post <laughs> stories all the time you have the um, stories <laughs> i love <posting laughs> stories but so I want you guys to sit down and think about what can you actually commit to? Can you commit to two days a week, three days a week? Can you do seven days a week? Um, can you do seven days a week, two times a day? Like, I don't know what your problem is, but <laughs> <laughs> if you can do that, then you can do it. But right. sit down, figure it out, and then start implementing it for one week. Just say, this is my goal, and this is what I have to do, mm -hmm. and do it. Yeah. And get into a rhythm. I love that. And my challenge for you for the week goes hand in hand uh, with ACEs in that. And I have utilized this app. I'm going to tell you guys exactly what it is. I would try some sort of automation app for posting. Um, on Instagram, you have to get an external app. Um, I have used and currently still do use something called Planoly. It's P-L-A-N-O-L-Y. Um, and it is a way to automate your Instagram postings. Um, and last month or two months ago, they got approved to be able to auto post. Before that, it went against Instagram's terms of service to have an auto post. And now it went through. So it's really great. So literally, you can go on there and you can add your images and you can add your thoughtful captions at a time that's, you know, uh, convenient for you. If you have kids, if it's at nighttime after they've gone to bed, you can sit down, you can think through your posts for the week and you can schedule them and they will go live at the time you say you don't have to do anything else. So if you are a busy working mom like me, it is a godsend. Try Planoli or a similar app. Um, and then on Facebook, it, it's already an option there for you. You can schedule posts on your business Facebook page. So my rule of thumb 
although recently I did archive my business Facebook page because I'm not taking any more clients. I'm booked out. So I archived it so I wouldn't have to worry about the messages coming through there. But when I was keeping that active, I would post, try to post four to five times a week, like I said, on Instagram and at least two times a week on Facebook. I would do a lot less on Facebook because you do get a lot less traction um, and a lot less engagement on Facebook. You still book people off of it. It's still relevant, still necessary. Um, but I would do, as a rule of thumb, five posts to Instagram a week and two posts to Facebook, and I would schedule all of it. Um, unless I was feeling really, really inspired in the moment I wanted to post something right then, then you have the option to do that. Um, but it was really great to be able to look at my insights on Instagram and see when people were checking me out the most. And schedule my posts for that time. And it might be when I'm picking up my kids from school and then I wouldn't have to worry about it. Um, so that's my challenge to you. Try an automation app for the week. I do believe that you can do a trial first before you purchase. And after that, I mean, it's really cheap. It's like eight or nine bucks a month. Um, so it's definitely worth it uh, for the stress relief. So that is my challenge for this week. It's a good one. And I, I'm going to add something to that. Yes. There's a lot of people like if you want to post to social media, there is some people who have their account set up to where like it'll automatically when you post on Instagram, it'll automatically post on Facebook. Yes. And what I will tell people is if you're doing something like that, you need to stay true to the platform that you're doing. So yeah. like if you tend to tag people's usernames in the caption on Instagram, well, that's going to carry over to Facebook and mm -hmm. then it's not going to click anything or it might actually click something random um, yep. that's not the person you intended. So always go back in, edit it so that everything looks right. Don't be the idiot who's making a mess of it all. <laughs> Don't make a mess of it all. Challenge number three. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's our that's our simultaneous challenge. <laughs> I love it. I'm going to try that this week, not to make a mess of it all. <laughs> oh my God. Well, thank you guys for listening. We yeah. hope that you love this week. We love having lunch with you guys. And for the people who listen to us at dinner or the people who listen to us at dessert or the people who listen to us at breakfast or the people who don't eat any meals at all and listen to us, <laughs> we hope that you enjoyed whatever meal you had and we're glad that you shared it with us. Yes. Thank you so much.